Imagine having the life of your dreams. Not temporary cash and glory, but happiness and inner peace. Explore new ways to be a creator and take your own journey into greatness. Is it possible? What does it take to make that happen? It takes the person known for extreme results. He's called the cage breaker and the ultimate catalyst. Coming back from the brink of death and now crushing it for himself and his clients, this is your Ultimate Life Podcast with Kellen Flukiger. Hello and welcome to this episode of Your Ultimate Life, the podcast where we don't do anything except talk about how to live your ultimate life, a life of purpose, prosperity, and joy that you create by serving with your divine gifts. I'm grateful today to have Eugenia Oganova, who is a coach, a spiritual wizardess. I'm going to say that wrong, but whatever, and does all kinds of cool stuff. So welcome to the show, Eugenia. Well, thank you so much, Gillen, for having me here. I'm very excited for our conversation. You're welcome. And I'm grateful, first of all, for all the work that you do or the play, the blessing that you bring to people's lives. So uh, the first thing I always like to ask is a simple question. The premise of the podcast is living the ultimate life, a life of purpose, prosperity, and joy that you create by serving with your gifts. So that's my definition, but everybody has their own take on that. How would you define your ultimate life? My ultimate life is the life of service where I get to show up fully as being myself without restrictions, where I get to live undefended and at the same time um, support people in their own transformation and stepping into the next level of their consciousness. So you used an interesting word. That's a wonderful definition. And it involves using your gifts and all that kind of stuff. What is the word undefended? Like you used that word and I was curious about it. So tell me what living undefended means. Well, most human beings from my experience are extremely defended. Uh, we have all sorts of shields and protections and layers of masks and since I was very little, because I could see it all, it was almost painful to see the person shine so not brightly because they hidden underneath all these things. And to me, when somebody is conscious and fully aligned, any defense is not necessary. So although a lot of times people think like, oh, we need protection from, I don't know, dark forces or protection from bad luck or protection from just somebody seeing our flaws, when in reality, the more undefended we are, the more life force we actually have to contribute to the collective humanity. So being undefended means that you are so much embodying unconditional love and you're so aligned with the world that you're literally able to handle whatever is happening frequency-wise that it filters through your system. So then whatever it is that arrives into your world that is, let's say, negative does not mean anything. It does not become a personal story. The personal story remains in the higher frequencies. So then all the lower issues, they're still there, we still deal with them, but there is no need to push anything away. That way, the energy is allocated appropriately to whatever we're actually meant to do in our lives. So I, I love that. And I have a question. I agree with you. People live with the layers of masks and they, and I love the fact that you use the word defend. We defend ourselves, protect ourselves. What do you suppose, 
I mean, I don't know that someone was born that way. You know, the baby automatically has all these layers of defense. Why do you think we do that? Create untold layers of defensive mechanisms around well, us. What's up? Yeah, I, from my experience, the uh, factory setting on the baby is actually undefended, unconditional love. But then babies get hurt because they don't get love because love becomes conditional because parents, you know, sometimes close their heart to the baby because they're too busy or they don't like what baby is doing or they're annoyed or they're exhausted. Um, there's obviously some families that are just dysfunctional. And of course, there's karmic overlays from the past that the child can bring in. So then even though it's a baby body, it's a soul that's not a baby that has something to deal with. So all those things become overlays, conditioning, imprinting, and so on. And that is the defense, the shield. So that's good. I love that. And getting to be undefended, um, living that ultimate life of purpose, prosperity, and joy. What would you say to someone to, to consider, if they hear that and say, wow, I don't want to live defended and have all my light darkened and blocked and all this stuff, what would be the first thing for someone to think about or do to understand the defenses they have and to start, you know, taking off the layers or whatever it is? What would, what would you tell us to do? Well, first of all, I would say, what are you stopping yourself from doing? Like, where are you not saying something you want to say? Where are you not behaving certain way? Where, where are you feeling like absolute terror if you think of, oh my God, if I said that, <laughs> or if I did this, or I can't not do this? What are you talking about? That's not even, whoa, no, that will, like, my whole life will fall apart. Those are all the clues that you're in a web of conditioning. You're in a web of some sort of a defense. So when we start to let go of such patterns, that usually means it's a process of self-mastery. So the goal of our lifetime, every lifetime for every person, if we simplify, is to become masterful at who we are. Not at something out there that somebody tells us to be, but at who we are. And to do that, we have to first build a relationship with self. So it always begins with self-awareness, paying attention to the different let's call them voices on the inside, different personality components of you. So, oh, there's a part of me that wants to do this, but this part does not. You know, if you can imagine it like a, you know, round table and my mind wants this, my emotions want this, my body wants that, my spirit wants something completely different and so on. So that's like really simplifying it. Of course, with my clients, I go like way deeper, but this kind of a basic round table inside yourself, when you start to recognize that you're not one voice, the one voice is usually the mind, <laughs> and that's never something to listen to, actually. Um, it's meant for others, not for ourselves. For ourselves, it's something else. But if somebody's not connected to the other voices, they can't go anywhere to the next level of their mastery because you can't master what you don't even know is, exists. So step one, if we're like really talking about beginning, um, somebody who's not on the conscious journey, they would have to start recognizing different voices. People that I work with, they usually weigh on the journey, like they've been on it for years. So when they come to me, it's more about like, okay, I understand all of this. I've been dealing with this. Maybe they've been through therapy. Maybe they had some awakening experience, whatever they trying to live consciously. And then it's more about minor course corrections and looking at the layers, looking at, okay, this thing, what's the root of it? What's underneath it? Why is it still here? And from my experience, it's usually because 
the the issues stay or repeat cyclically is because they are identity based. So there's a part of a self-definition that gets stuck that is not actually who we are. So that's the process of actually shedding components of identity. So it might you might call it a death of the ego or death of the self. Not complete, of course, death of the ego to the point that the person can't function in a world, but enough that it sheds layers of something that is not truly who the person is. And then you get to show up like the phoenix out of ashes, like the picture behind you in the next level of you that is truer to who you are. And that's a process. It's very rare when it happens completely from zero to 100. And that's usually very traumatic if it does. Most of the time, it's a conscious journey. Um, so you said something interesting that I, I want to dig into a little bit. And that is the mind. And then you said, and, and that's not the thing to listen to. But it's the noisy one. Yes. And so it's the loudest one. <laughs> yeah, it is. So the mind is like the noisy thing. And even for someone that has done some of this work, the mind is still present. It is the interactive piece that you said it's for others. How do you um, help someone or advise someone or teach someone the difference, the set, the different sound or feeling or frequency of the mind voice versus some other voice? And do you have names for all of them? You have a soul voice, spirit voice, like, like what is the other one or another one to listen to instead of the mind, which is always so loud? Well, first of all, if somebody comes in with the mind as the loudest voice, um, we would look at the two obvious or three obvious others. One would be the body. You know, you know very much when the body doesn't want something that your mind wants. Okay, you already can distinguish that voice. The voice of the heart. So that would be more like the feelings. That's sometimes harder for people if they're not feeling oriented. And then the third one would be the higher mind. So sometimes it's the easiest to actually find a difference in frequency within oneself between the regular mind like logical linear mind of operational mind let's just say and the higher mind the divine mind the divine mind is what some people call the universal intelligence that is something that it feels like um, almost like an intuitive insight it's something that you don't know how you know but you know and you can always differentiate like okay this one i figured out I did my pros and cons, I thought about it, I analyzed, and now I know. This one, I have no idea how I know, but I feel internally pretty certain that that is so. That's the divine mind, the higher mind. So starting to differentiate these frequencies. We know when we feel something, but depending on how the person has been running their life, they have maybe been like told or conditioned or programmed not to listen to that voice. And I actually agree with a lot of people that say that emotions are not as important. So I'm a little bit different coach on that from standpoint like, oh, emotions are everything. I don't think so. From my perspective, emotions are indicators of beliefs. So they are needed and we must understand what it is we're experiencing and we must allow it to experience so we don't create disease. But living just through emotions, that's actually kind of going crazy and living in chaos. So emotions meant to be more like, okay, I'm experiencing this. And then the next question is, what do I have to believe about myself, about reality, about this particular subject in order for me to have this emotion? And the more we ask that, the more we actually evolve into the other voice that's not the mind. 
we're still using the mind to get those answers to some extent, you know, except the body, the body just kind of tells you. But even then, how are you translating it into linear language so you comprehend it through the mind? So mind is not going to go anywhere, but there is a difference in living your life and making decisions through the mind versus using the mind as an interpreter or translator, which is what I meant by what I'm saying. And this, it's places for other people. It's places to just translate this reality so we can function in it. Some people are great in strategy, but that's for understanding of how to function that is not for navigation navigation is usually something else and that is installed in each person's soul design and every person is different so it's not like oh everybody must be navigated from their heart not necessarily some people meant to be navigated through their hips like they have to literally listen to what's going on in their hips some people are navigated through their solar plexus so that's the kind of a gut response that, that they feel the impulse some people are navigated like i've seen designs when it's behind their neck so they have to actually calm down and then relax. And then they feel behind them, almost like a push to go forward or to not, or behind their heart chakra. So heart on the front, behind between shoulder blades. Some people are inside navigated. So they have to get out of the way and wait. And then whoop, something drops in and now they know. So there are different forms of navigation. None of them are mind, but mind is the translator. And connecting to the universal mind helps because that's where we can get um, answers that our human self does not know. So you said a couple of things that I'm really grateful that you said. I, I'm with you. Emotions are simply indicators of what we're believing at a given moment, right? And, and you have a thought and you believe that thought and the belief of that thought is what creates the, neuro you know, the neurochemical response in the body and you feel whatever it is you feel. Um, that's an important, a really important insight because people, not everyone, obviously, but many people believe that all the emotions are the, the guideposts and they really come, as you said, from believing some thought about a person, about a situation, about an event that happened that is a neutral event. It just something happened in the world and you made a choice. So I, I love that you said that. I, and I want to ask you about something else, which is the higher mind. Um, and I, I, you, you said a lot of things. You connected different navigation system to the chakras, and we'll get to that in a minute. But this higher mind, universal consciousness or divine mind or whatever name, the universe, people give it a lot of names, do you help people learn to uh, connect with, to hear, to sharpen the intuition so that it's not an accident, so that they recognize that voice and not only recognize it, but learn to intentionally sort of live a process, some people call it living a guided life, but whatever you call it, to develop that ability to hear that divine intuition. Yes, and that's actually also linked to the soul design because we each have a different access port, you can say, to the universal intelligence. So depending on how you are built, when you understand like, oh, that's how I get that data to me. Some people get it in nature, like if they, let's say, environment-based, so their energy field needs to be relaxed, they need to be somewhere where their mind just like opened up and then this happens. Some people need to be in a void, 
So they need to be in a meditation when it's quiet and it's all like nothing's going on. Some people can never actually experience that. Like their mind will never get them to the void. So they need something to busy their mind in order for it to get out of the way for them to download it. Other people do it through feelings, through emotions, through their astral level. Like there's many different ways how that happens. But yes, once you understand your own way, then this happens. Some people actually like need to talk it out you know, like literally they don't hear any voice or get any intuition, but they need to start talking with somebody, not looking for advice, just kind of like sounding board. And when they talk, if they record themselves talking, they would be like, oh my God, I just like answered all my questions right there because that's their navigation. They literally need to have a an audience for their energy field to activate them into it. Some people are complete within themselves so they can download it directly and that's what has been promoted by a lot of spiritual traditions as you go inside and you just get it through yourself your direct relationship with the universe and that would be awesome if everybody was made this way but there that's only one of the designs there are many others and some of our designs are such that it's almost like we internally have components of us that are not unified and we require an external stimuli of specific type that then synthesizes us. And once we synthesize, then the access to the universal intelligence occurs. So then again, understanding what is the thing that I need? Like, for example, I've worked with a person whose synthesis trigger was opinions. She needed somebody to have an opinion for her to contradict. As soon as that happened, she could have download of everything. So it was not a literal story of like she had to figure out how to have an opinion about something, but she had to be about around opinionated people or read opinionated material. And when she did and the topic that she was having an issue with, she immediately would get a download. So that's an unusual design, but that's why I'm saying it's not always about like, oh, I activate my intuition by, I don't know, meditating more or keeping a journal or making a vision board or something. That's nice and it works for some people, but for majority of it and what I work with is self-mastery so to really become a master of yourself you got to know yourself how many um you mentioned several times different designs and you've mentioned some connecting with the chakras you know behind the heart chakra the push and the gut and so forth in your experience in working with people when you think about design and needing to master your own personal design so you can be guided in an appropriate way are, are there like hundreds or a dozen thousand over thousand, thousand. yeah over there are two thousand. main ones so that's kind of the simple way to categorize there are two main ones after that there's about maybe five that we can differentiate. And after that, it splits into many, many variations. So the two main ones, just to kind of give you an idea of what I'm talking about, that would be the person either more electric or more magnetic. So electric, that's what people call masculine energy. So that's directional. That's like more logic oriented, more reason oriented, more step-by-step -step process oriented, regimented um, structures, processes. That's more electric. So that's a thinking type of a person. Another type is the more magnetic type. This is usually what's considered more feminine. So magnetic type of energetics in the person being prevalent means that they are more feeling type, emotional type, sensitivity activated type, and empathic, and maybe um, more creative sometimes in this nonlinear way. 
Um, obviously, nobody is ever, you know, 100% one or another. We all combination, but I've never met a 50-50 person. So usually it's like 60-40 or 70-30, but you can kind of differentiate the entire planetary population onto two categories. <laughs> they either more electric or more magnetic. And then within that, there are all sorts of other variations. And I've seen, um, I mean, if you study I Ching, it would be 1,080. So those are the different types. But of course, within that, I'm sure I can find variations further. <laughs> I have a question. So you, you talk, we talked a little bit before we started recording about, I ask a question about events. Sometimes, in fact, often people have some kind of events that push them from externally focused to guided, being more guided. And you said you were sort of born this way. And from very young, you noticed these um, layers that people hold and so forth. Can, can you tell me in that work, how and when did you discover which one of the thousand or two thousand types of person you are? I think that's actually an ongoing process. I mean, I'm uncovering more and more details of myself. I mean, it's kind of weird to say if somebody like, oh, I know exactly who I am from the very start. I know uh, that there are different ways to understand yourself based on what you know, right? The more you know, the more you understand you don't know. So I'm always in that journey. Like as I'm learning, I'm seeing, oh, there's this part. Oh, there's that part. So when I was born conscious, that meant that I could see people's energy field. So I can literally see energy, but I also could see timelines and possibilities and different stories within their field that kind of show up like little movies in my mind of the past that they have experienced. So those are past lives or some events in this lifetime or some future events. And also like my gift is kind of more oriented as what is blocking you from being fully you. So I would see things that are in the way of individuals being who they meant to be. And you can apply it onto health, onto relationships, onto business, onto money flow, onto anything. I happen to be more fascinated with the money and the service. So that's the part I'm more into, but, you know, I've done everything from health and relationships to business structures and so on. But being able to see all of that created a, a big frequency friction between me and the world, because to the world, I was a little baby that shouldn't know anything. And yet I could, and yet I had no skill to actually explain it because the mechanism of the body didn't work that way yet. I had to grow up. So, and I had to spend the first year of my life in a cast, so I couldn't move because um, of the way that my body was born incorrectly. So I had like kind of an experience of like, okay, you literally just there, you, you can't move, you can't do anything for the first year of your life. All I could do is observe and connect and interact with non-physical friends of mine and connect to universal intelligence and download things and learn about people. So by the time I was two years old, I was already trying to deliver the message to people when I would see something that's off and I would do it through pictures, through drawing things, because that was the only way I could figure out, like I could hold a pencil and I could kind of like say something. And, you know, it took a while, I think, for people to get that, oh, she actually says something like this, this means something and became kind of like a joke, like, oh, you know, the little baby said this and it actually worked like, oh, I did this and it worked. She was really adamant. No, no, no. And then, okay, I didn't do it and actually better. So it's it's kind of like it took a while for me to learn how to translate it. So that goes to your question as to do I know what kind of a design I am? Yes, I do. But it's 
through the interaction, I'm discovering more and more layers of um, ways for my design to be interactive in a way that serves. You know, uh, it, it's interesting that you talk about back to then and how difficult you you know we how difficult it was to not be able to express what you could see or feel and you know, my experience is that we obviously came from somewhere like the moment that wasn't the beginning of our existence and so we had other experiences that that we brought with us and we understood and and so forth and so you're that must have been really interesting difficult i don't know the right word yeah to interesting use. wouldn't be the word i would attach no, to it difficult I would say maybe Agonizing. <laughs> yeah, agonizing, frustrating. So so now that you uh, at least have a sig really significant, developed a significant ability to articulate that, when someone comes to you and says, gee, I don't know what's in my way or what's blocking me, and you can see this movie of, of what what's in the way, how often do you get the sense that people sort of reject or they think you don't understand or see what you do see? How often does that happen and what, what happens? What do you do with that? I don't work with those kinds of people. I just literally don't attract them. Um, I've spent years of my life trying to convince people to understand stuff and I realize how much of a waste of my energy that is. Um, I'm designed to work with leaders. That's literally part of my design. So somebody who is already on a journey, somebody who's already influential, somebody who's already understood that reality is a little more complex than the linear thinking and whatever they see with their physical eyes. So those people are ready for the next level. So sort of what I bring in is more like a PhD level. So I don't work with kindergarten and just beginners who need to understand reality. I work with people who already like educated in their own self, but now they want the upgrade for the service. Like my band is more in the service, like, okay, it's not about like, let me help you understand you, you already kind of know you, but now let's look at how can you serve even better while making sure that you are taking care of, that you are loving yourself deeply, that you are shedding layers and layers more of whatever is not you, so you can fully emerge as who you meant to be. So when we know who we are, we broadcast into the universe specific frequencies and those frequencies then attract specific people. So I generally now in this part of my life, I mean, I'm almost 50. Um, I have not been attracting anymore to me people of the type that just like, oh, I believe in energy. Like, oh, that's very interesting. Or, oh, I don't believe in that. Prove it to me. Like, that's not my world anymore. Maybe in high school it was, but that's like a long, 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 long ago. <laughs> what I have now are conscious, incredible leaders who are change makers in the world that are in high positions of power in their life, either in the corporate world or they own their own businesses or in, you know, political world or so on. And they are interested in deepening something, but not so much from the standpoint of like, oh, I want to see energy or I want to connect to my energy guides, but more from like, how do I make the bigger impact while at the same time not burn out, while at the same time not kill myself in the process? Many of them are actually so focused on serving that they forget themselves sometimes. So that's what we figure out. Like, how do you have this Mm, I don't believe in a life-work balance. I don't think that thing actually exists. I believe that if you're living in your design, you're going to have the proper flow. 
Some people are designed to go like crazy for, you know, two weeks and work 24-7 and then have two months off. Other people will die if they try to do that and they're designed to have a regimented thing. So if we understand how we're made, we can adjust whatever service or whatever leadership direction that we're going in in such a way that benefits not only the world, but that we can sustain it. Like sustainability is very important to me. That's part of what I teach people. You've used the word service a whole bunch of times. I'm grateful that you you talk about that and that you attract those folks. The ultimate life that I defined was the life of purpose, prosperity, and joy that you create by serving with your divine gifts. So, so tell me why you think the universal, essentially, path to happiness and fulfillment goes through that kind of service. Why do you suppose that's true? Well, we're not living in the vacuum and we're not separate. Separation is an illusion. So being within the illusion, it's very tempting to think that, well, it's all about me. That's the selfish view. But in truth, in the higher sense, the um, connectedness that exists like a fabric of universal energy and then on this planet the human collective we are interconnected so in the universe any intention that does not have some service attached to it that selfish actually doesn't work it's not intention it's more of a desire so as soon as we want to intend something to occur we already right there have to look for okay and how does that serve others you know like if i get this thing i want how does that serve others Maybe because I have, let's say, a next level of my business, I get to hire another person and somebody gets to have an amazing salary by working with me. Maybe by doing this specific thing, I get to influence a certain number of people in a specific way and so on. So we always already have to look at service. Service is actually because of the connectedness. When you start to do the work at the higher levels, when it's not just about like cleansing your own issues and getting a little bit like in control of yourself, but when you start to do larger level um, transformational work on the planet with larger humanity um, fields. This is where service is sort of a preset, pre-installed as because it's all one simulation, one uh, you know unit that we're in. When you're doing something, you're automatically, by being a big enough vortex, uh, going to be affecting the communal morphogenic field. So that service, if you want to label it that or not, but you're already serving. So the more conscious you are in doing that and the more you're able to benefit both sides yourself because then you become even cleaner and more amazing vortex and that naturally then benefits the collective. So that's why service is kind of part of it just by design. So we're we're just about at our 30 minutes. I, I'm sure that there will be people who listen, who won't understand all the words that you've said, and who are interested in that higher level of service, who are interested in understanding more about what you have or do. Uh, how would someone find you or connect or follow you if they wanted to understand more about what you teach and do? Well, on my website, which is transcensiongate.com, you can see pretty much anything about what I'm talking about in different details. There's like 100 pages there you can read through. And um, of course, on any social network, if you just type in my name, Eugenia Oganova, you're going to get my profiles and then you can see all sorts of data, um, including YouTube channel. But um, when somebody chooses to come in to work with me, what the beginning step would be if they choose to sign up to be part of my world would be to look at their soul design 
And we would look at like how you're built, what is your purpose, what are the gifts you brought, what are the issues you brought, the karmic overlays, what is the profit potential within your life, like how you meant to attract wealth and how you meant to serve, and what is the bigger evolutionary part of you. And we also look at the, look at the um, life cycles, as in what's going on in this cycle of your life versus next versus next, so you can kind of see your life in totality. So that's the beginner step to this process with me and then after that depending on what the person needs i have different programs for various levels of um, their development and business thank you i am grateful for the good that you're doing i'm grateful for the work that you've done to develop that ability you had from from birth and to develop the ability to share and and do that so thank you for being here on the show with us today Thank you so much, Gillen, for having me. You're welcome. So I want you, all of you, to take time to listen to this a couple of times. There's lots of uh, interesting and powerful things to think about, that we're all connected, that we're built to serve, and that love and that growth is really the foundation. And those are tools that you can use to create your ultimate life. Open your heart in this time. Thank you for listening to today's episode. We hope that you take it deeply into your heart and decide for yourself how you can create anything you desire. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to this podcast and share it with your friends. As always, we'd love to hear your feedback and topic suggestions. Until tomorrow, this is Your Ultimate Life with host Kellen Flukiger. Stand with your heart in the sky and your feet